0: So I kind of very quietly said that I was here for Al-Anon, and the chairman that night was Big John from Denver, all Anyway, his speaking voice is booming, and he just I thought he was shouting, but I guess he was just saying, oh, she's here for Al-Anon, and everyone was very nice, but um, um, but really it was a good experience because I did get to hear the AA side, and someone was there getting their six-year chip, and, and then the... The many Al-Anons came up afterwards and and said, well, come back, told me when to come back. And I went back a couple of nights later to my first Al-Anon meeting. And, of course, I thought you were all crazy. I mean, this was weird. You talked about changing your attitude, making things better. And about buying literature, now, I'd had enough door-to-door salesmen selling magazines. I didn't need to go out to be sold literature. And if I changed my attitude, who would holler at this man and show him the error of his ways? I mean, wasn't that what I was there for? Isn't that what wives were for, to uh, show their husbands the error of their ways? But you all kept telling me to come back. and, And I felt the acceptance like I had never felt anyplace else. And so I kept coming back and my my first meeting was in March of 1970 so I've had a few 24 hours in Al-Anon you didn't tell me what to do you gave me the tools to use and you introduced me to my higher power I'd been to church and Sunday school and all that jazz and it was yes yes uh huh. but it just never really never really believed um, just like I think you know, in geography, you look at a map and you, you see how the landforms are. Well, certainly, I mean, that's, you believe that, don't you? Well, I got to go through the U.S. global weather thing down at Offutt at Air Force Base and all the computers and these photographs taken from the air. Italy really is a boot. There are these capes. I mean, it's really there. And while I can't say I've had any really, really miracles happen, every now and then things happen that are just... Very strange. On our block, there are 12 houses on our street, and alcoholism has been in six of them. Uh, My one neighbor, Robin, is saying, I told Margaret about you with her husband's drinking, that if she has any problems, she should talk to you because of your Al-Anon and so forth. But Margaret said, that's very nice, but don't tell Cynthia about me, and if I need any help, I will call her. Now, I couldn't say anything to Margaret, I felt, without breaking Robin's confidence. And this worried me and worried me and worried me. Here's the chance to to share my program and uh, the doors were closed and I just didn't know what to do. Well, I'm not a double winner, but on a couple of occasions I have helped out at the AA office answering the phone. And oh, it was about three or four weeks after Robin and I talked that I was down at the AA office. and. Um, LaVon keeps notes on who's called in, and she'd had a call that morning and then left, and I took over, and I'm reading this note, and I'm kind of slow sometimes. And it's about the fifth time I, I'm reading that note, and a man, and it gave his address. He called in and was asking for help and so forth. Son of a gun, and that was my neighbor's husband. So I felt the door is open because I could go home that night and say, I was in the AA office, and your husband called. Is there anything I can do to help? And so, I mean, that doesn't seem like much of a miracle, but I sure couldn't have worked out anything else better myself. Even with the control wand, I couldn't come up with anything. (laughs) Blanche caught me flat. I'm there with my map in my purse. I've got two in the car. I have a map with me constantly. I hate to ask directions. And I was doing so well last night. Until I saw the detour signs. And then I'm detouring here, and then I'm detouring there, and I'm trying to angle in here. And then all of a sudden, I'm taking turns and going, and the next sign I see is Hemingford how many miles. And I thought, this is not right. (laughs) So I turned around, and I headed back. And luckily, and I started to ask for directions, and Doreen and her husband were there to help guide me in. And isn't it amazing how, you know, and... Talking to her today, she and her husband wondered, and as I wondered, hmm, will we see each other tomorrow? I remember um, before I knew alcoholism was in so many houses on my street, we had a new neighbor move in. And I have three children, two girls and a boy, and this new neighbor has two girls and a boy. And the ages are so similar to mine, only like she's ten years behind me. And... um, so she was leaving about the same time I was leaving. I thought, hmm, could it be she's going to the same place I am? And sure enough, we were together at a workshop that afternoon in Omaha. Keep running into people. Um, so the, as al has tools, at least I'm getting better. At least I look at the map. I used to drive around have the map but not even look at it. So at least I look at the map, and, and I use my voice and, and ask the people. Okay, al help helped me. With the uh, the tradition that we're tr- trusted servants when you're working with the group and that we don't govern, I don't have to plan the results of everything. Group conscience is terrific. We can give it a chance to work. As state chairman, I find that particularly helpful. I think, gee, I, how am I going to manage this? I thought, you don't have to. Let the group in on it. But we also have the concepts when sometimes there's a problem that's arisen. Put in a little plug for our third annual Al-Anon reunion, it was to be – that very first weekend in November, and then there were conflicts, and so we had to change it. And rather than wait for another full meeting to make the decision, I think it's concept three that says, With the leadership comes the right of decision, and people can't holler at you. So we've changed it to the following weekend. Uh, that'll be in Grand Island, November 13th, 14th, and 15th. And Hildegard M., she has a new initial now, Hildegard M.V., uh, the forum editor, will be our Alanon speaker. Okay, some of the um, other tools, the slogans, live and let live. I was getting pretty good at letting live. I mean, okay, let them do what they want to. It's their decision. That's that's fine. I can let go of that. But I was forgetting to live. Um, and I'd always wanted a guitar, and I'd wanted to learn how to play a guitar. But I always felt guilty about spending any money on myself. I know there was money around, and I'd, I'd spend it on the children in the house, and I looked at my records, and I, one month I'd spent like, on me outside of groceries and this one AA said that was too much, but anyway um, I thought now come on It's okay. You know if if the money is there and you can afford it and it's responsible and you aren't That's okay. And so I bought a guitar and I still haven't learned how to play it But I bought a guitar and others have played it And I felt it was important for the children to know that there are other ways of handling frustration and anger, and that music is important. And so now my daughter um, has her guitar, and uh, my son plays some. So I felt that was a good investment. Um, During the drinking years, I complained about our never doing anything. Did you find that, you know, if drinks weren't served, you didn't go, you didn't do anything? And so... um, I thought, I, complaining is, is one thing, but now let's, let's see if there isn't a better way. And the circus came to town. And so I thought, well, we, we haven't gone to the circus for a long time. In fact, the kids had never gone that I recalled. So I got tickets for the circus. Now, I live on 95th Street, and the circus is on 16th Street. That's no big deal. We were late, of course, and someone else was in our seats, and there went my serenity. But we got to the circus, and we got home again, and I was so thrilled. Now, that's not really that big a thing, except at that point in time, it was that big a thing. And the biggest thing is was that I had set a goal, that there was something that I wanted to do, and I could carry through on it. Now, the fact that I came from Omaha all by myself to Scott's Bluff, and then Sunday I'm going on to Denver to see my daughter, and then my Al-Anon sponsor moved to Albuquerque, and I'm not going to get any closer, so I'm just going to drop down to Albuquerque before I go back to Omaha. So um, things get better, <laughs> easier, more possible. Gas bills also get bigger, but that's part of the program too maybe, huh? It's okay now. I've, it really is. You know what? People are worried about the self Realization programs that were stressing too much me first, me first, me first. I feel in Al-Anon, we're saying, "Hey, I just want to be on the list to get a turn." I don't need coming from did any. Of I'm sure I'm not the only one in the room that felt like a martyr at times. And there's a fine line between commitment and martyrdom. And I don't have to be first all the time, but I have to remember that hey, I need to get my my turn too, my share. <laughs> Step ten, help me. Ah. Uh, about, um, when wrong promptly admitted it. Well, wrong? I mean, I, promptly admitting it was never a problem. I mean, because I never was wrong. So I am getting better. And if I realize I am wrong, I just, I just have to do something about it just as fast as possible. And not only, okay, at one time it was so important to be right. It was just, I'd rather be right than be president. I just, uh, that was very important to me, but it's getting to be less of a top priority. I have a more open mind. I think you've all heard the term, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. I really don't like that. I prefer keep it simple, sweetie, because I, uh, I don't think anyone's stupid. Some of us just have more knowledge in other areas. Some people act like they've taken dumb pills, but I think generally uh, <laughs> it's just a matter of they don't have education in that area. Along with more of an open mind, I have to realize that I don't need to set such high standards for myself. Um, Average is okay. That's not bad. And I, um, it's not fair to set too high standards for someone I I think a lot of. A lot of times I think, gee, there's such a neat person, and and I lay on them all these other attributes that are not theirs, and then I'm disappointed. And I have to realize I set myself up for this. It's not like they... Laid claim to uh, a lot of things and didn't live up to it. I'm the one that's, that set myself up for the disappointment. So the program has helped me realize the rea- look at reality and today and now and uh, cut back on the fantasies and expectations and um, glorifications. Easy does it. Easy does it, but do it. So I'm going to Albuquerque in steps, <laughs> and and doing it now. I am only one, but I am one, and I will not try not to let what I cannot do keeping me keep me from doing what I can do, which allowed me to stand to be um, delegate for our state to the World Service Conference. I kept thinking, well. I can't do that or I shouldn't do that. And I thought, well, I will leave it up to the group to decide. And that, that was such a growing experience for me. It's helped me in other areas. And I won't get into the whole service thing now, but it is very important to me. And a lot of you, I was in Scottsbluff about three years ago to give my delegates report. And some of you I met before, and, and some, I'm sorry to say, I don't remember you very well. And some people are not too inclined to service. But you are all needed. And if um, the more of you I can encourage to come to our state assembly meetings, we would certainly love to have your your input. The more, the merrier. And especially as maybe you feel you don't need help from other areas, other parts Need help from you, smaller small groups. Those that come from the less populated areas, and so we need you to help in the state, and we need to help you to help in the in the region. This is a problem with so much of our region, as it, as it was in Canada, in the um, when you have miles and miles of, of miles and miles. So. Um, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you're here, and I hope we get together more and more and more and more. Thank you so much for letting me share.
1: Thank you you very much. It's getting very warm in here. (laughs) I had to run for ice, so there's some ice water back there. Uh, This morning, while we were having our speakers up here, we missed two ladies. So to carry on with what they were doing, they were going into the different aspects of Al-Anon and where people come from and who they are i like to have these ladies share, too. I know what it's like to plant. I just went through a bluebird convention, if you can imagine. They're little bitty guys like this, you know. And uh, the speaker didn't work, and the first little girl got scared, and she didn't say her lines. So the man just stood and said all the lines for them, and all the other little girls were so disappointed. So I'm not going to let my little bluebirds be disappointed today. (laughs) You two get to talk. Uh, Sally D., and they said that she's the woman liver. She fixed the Al-Anons and the treatment centers. Sally D., were you sure? Hi, I'm Sally D.,
2: and I'm Al-Anon. Hi, Sally. And I haven't really lost it. I was just really taking it all in because I really need to learn. I've been listening, and that's about all I ever do when I come to the Al-Anon meetings, um, because I really need to listen. I'd like to start by telling you where I come from, really, because I am the manager. I um, really have to admit that I have to bring myself down and not necessarily feel down, but because I needed to do that. When I I start talking about this, I have to think in terms of uh, how I became the best manager in my whole life. And it's not that I want to sit on my pity pot, but it, it's as a reminder. I got married at a very young age, and two months later I was a divorcee. I was expecting a baby, and I raised my son for 18 years. And, of course, I really become a very good manager of my son's life. And nobody else was going to run that life but me, not even God. I had to survive. I had to do everything for him. For him, not with him. For him. And I did. I've always told everybody that um, I have never asked, I have never been denied anything that I have asked for because God has always granted me everything that I asked for. Maybe it wasn't the right thing, but he granted it. And if he didn't, I made sure that it happened. Okay. Okay. So, when I started to write my notes about my sharing with you what I have to share, I caught myself thinking, God does work in mysterious ways. And that's what my theme is. About two years ago, after having rescued my son for many, many years, many, many incidents, I found myself not being able to do anything with my hands tied. He had been picked up for drunken driving, uh, almost killing a young man, but this was not his fault, of course. <laughs> I mean, those kids get in the way, and <laughs> he did have a little bit of problem with uh, drinking and and drugs. and. Um, it was, you know, my turn again to come in and rescue him. But this time it was kind of expensive and I didn't have the money. And God didn't answer that prayer. He just didn't give me the money. So you know how I felt about God's help. Even, even he had forgotten about me. So I was really angry at God. And all my faith was gone. So in essence what I'm talking about is that I turned my anger against God and against everybody else. But especially towards me, and I didn't realize that at the time. And um, so in the process, seeking for help, the help was there, but I wasn't really ready to accept it. My son was given a choice to either go to jail or go for treatment. And, of course, there there was a chance for me to step in again, and I really felt that the best thing for him to do was to seek help, the help that he really needed. And uh, the people that were involved were the people that I really turned my hate against later on, and I'll explain why. They had advised him, and when I say they, it was his probation officer and a counselor, and they had advised him to go for treatment to Epley in Omaha, and they also suggested that his wife go with him and I thought this was really something because after all she must have had a lot to do with you know him drinking a lot I didn't have anything to do with it you know how those girls are (laughs) well they did go to treatment and uh, about a week later I received a call from my daughter-in-law and uh, my son had been literally kicked out of treatment and that really did it for me. What kind of treatment centers are these? They're supposed to be helping, you know, people like my son. They're federally funded. They pay good money. It's supposed to be professional help. And uh, on top of everything else, you know what they suggested they do? My son, get out of there, leave, because he was beyond help and they suggested that my daughter-in-law stay there. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> of all the things to suggest. Oh boy, these centers were really something else. So the next best thing that I wanted to do as a manager, and uh, you know, knowing it all, I had been introduced to the Equal Opportunity Act. I was an Equal Opportunity Officer. And I knew my rights, and I knew my son's rights. Okay. So I planned my action. Okay, My number one action was to expose the sinners and really do something about them. I thought, well, how can I do that? There's got to be a good plan. Oh, I know. I can now. Uh, charge him with discrimination. After all, he's Mexican-American. Okay. So I thought, well, how can I do this? Oh, I know. I'll go to the probation officer and the counselor. But in the meantime, while I was talking to them, I was really angry at him, and I really let him have it. And funny and strange, they didn't say a word. They just took it. dummies. <laughs> you know, they just took it. They just really listened to me, and I thought... No wonder. What kind of help can my son expect from these people? They just sit there and look at you and listen to you. They don't even have an answer. I know it all. But in the meantime, um, they turn around and they had the gall to suggest that I'd go seek for help myself. <laughs> and I thought, boy, this is really something. But then the light bulb came on, and I thought, hey, this is the best way I can really get in action. Um, So I asked, knowing all my rights, I asked if it was going to cost me any money, and they said, well, do you have Blue Cross and Blue Shield? And I said, yes. And they said, well, we can make all the arrangements, and I'm sure that your insurance can cover that. And I thought, boy, what better way of finding out what these centers are like and really learn from ground roots, you know, just exactly what they do and how, why they cannot help people like my son. So about two days later, I found myself on my way to Omaha. I boarded the plane, and I was all ready to go. Of course, I didn't want to talk to anybody because I was embarrassed to death. I thought maybe everybody knew what I was up to, number one. And secondly, I didn't want anybody to know that I was going to Omaha to enter a family treatment center for me to get some help because I really wasn't seeking that help. I just wanted to learn about the centers and expose them. I chose the back of the plane because I smoke, and that was a good excuse. Of all the seats that were available in that plane, another lady boarded the plane, and darn her if she didn't choose to sit right next to me. And I didn't really want to talk to anybody, but uh, I, you're too embarrassed. You're not going to insult anyone. And if she wanted to sit right next to me, that was all right. We started to converse. We took off, and uh, she told me about where she was going. Uh, she was going to join her husband, who was attending alcoholism treatment. Yeah. <laughs> it was really strange. Um, then I said, you know, I've heard about those treatment centers, and someday I'll probably make an attempt to go myself because, you know, my son has a little bit of a problem with his drinking. Um, dear Lord. And, she, you know, she told me about what she had been told about the centers, and I said, well, that would be real nice. By the way, I did tell her that I was on my way to Omaha to attend a, a week conference I didn't really lie to her. I was on my way to Omaha for a meeting.
0: <laughs>
2: and uh, all this time, she told me about the Al-Anon group in Bluff and I said, you know, if I ever decide to go to treatment, I'll probably end up seeing you at the, one of the Al-Anon meetings someday. And um, we got to Omaha, and I, she went on her way, and I went on mine. I ended up in... Emmanuel Hospital don't ask me how I got there but I I was there by this time my mind was really working and um, I almost forgot what I set out to do but not really because I had made up my mind that that was the best thing to do to expose the sinners and really just destroy the whole thing because they didn't help my boy my boy he's 32 years old (laughs) but he was literally my little boy Okay. I ended up spending four weeks in the treatment center and I don't know why because I wasn't a bit sick (laughs) it usually takes a couple of weeks but I um, I don't know I I, I just ended up spending four weeks over there but that was okay Um, I began to feel better about the whole thing because uh, I was an inpatient, and for some reason they um, put me in together with those <laughs> recovering alcoholics. I was an inpatient. What happened was that I did learn an awful lot about alcoholism. I also learned an awful lot about al And in the process, I completely forgot about my anger. I completely forgot about what I set out to do, and later on I could have cared less When I got out of treatment, they said attend some of the meetings. Make sure that you attend the meetings. And I thought, well, if I go to a meeting, I'm, I'm, I'm liable to run into this lady, and she's going to find out that I really lied to her. But then I'll go ahead. by the by the way, my daughter in law had stayed uh, for and completed the treatment. She came to visit me when uh, when I first got there, and. Uh, she read a little book called "One Day at a Time," and she told me that was going to be her life from now on. That's silly, <laughs> you know. Run your life from a book, uh, but that's that was her choice. Of course, I could always come back and straighten her out uh, <clears throat> and help her because they really had brainwashed her there. Anyway, uh, she came home and. Uh, she found all kinds of problems at home but then she had a coming I mean, after all she had a lot to do with those problems that my son had encountered with and um, I was away from it so I didn't have to face it and um, if she had created those problems she could take care of them I had done my job and I had raised a good son and so I wasn't going to be Worrying about it, but I was real worried about it. I didn't know whether I wanted to come home or just keep going. I was really afraid to leave the center. I have to tell you this um, in my job, I traveled a lot. Never in my life did I ever buy a one way ticket. Never. When I boarded that plane, That's what I had in my hand, a one-way ticket when I went to Omaha. I don't know what I thought, but I wasn't sick. I just thought I'd get there, and I was bound and determined to destroy those centers, those absolutely no-good centers. Anyway, I got back, and I thought one Al-Anon meeting should do it, just to comply with what they had requested me to do. I went to the meeting, and um, I seen all these ladies talking about all their problems and literally laughing about them, and I thought, my Lord, they really are sick. (laughs) I mean, they have all these problems, and they can laugh about it. I had learned something about it in treatment, but this was a little too much, uh, you, you, when you have problems, you don't laugh about them. They're serious problems. And these people are sitting there just laughing and enjoying themselves and telling themselves that they can live with their problems. They've learned a, a new way of life. And I thought that uh, this, is, this is not for me. I don't think I'll come back. It was, uh, by the way, it was an open AA meeting. So my daughter-in-law told me that I should really attend an Al-Anon meeting. But I found the same thing in the Al-Anon meeting. Um, It was even worse because some of these women had really gone through a, a lot of bad situations and they were able to laugh about it. But deep inside I felt something. If they were laughing... Maybe it was something that I wanted myself, but I wasn't sure. I really wasn't sure that, that I could ever get to laugh about some of my, my problems. I, uh, I really enjoyed my pity pot, and I wasn't really quite ready to leave it because it was comfortable. It was really comfortable, although I had gone through treatment. I really liked my pity pot. I uh, couldn't get away from it. And I didn't want to give up my control over my son because nobody knew how to run his life but me. That's been two years ago. My son is still seeking help. He has gone to several treatment centers, has left. He's been to VA hospitals. He's been in jail. He's gone through some real hard times. And he still is having problems. But you know something? I don't want to run his life. I hurt too much when I seen that. I got a taste of the good thing. I really like it. I can laugh about it. I can laugh with you. I understand you now. And I feel the love, and I really love all of you. Thank
1: you.
0: Our next speaker is Glenda C., and they say
1: she's for double trouble. Just going to tell you, I wouldn't care if you wanted to do it for me, Bev. I'll tell you a little bit about myself. First of all, it has taken a lot of courage to get up here. I found out this morning, though, what courage was about. It's fear that has said its prayers, and I've said mine. So it's taken a lot of courage to get up here. Um, I was born in a family with nine children. I was seventh in line, and um, my grandfather was an alcoholic. My mother was very, very much against drinking, probably because of this. And since there was such a large family and... um, even though my father was a hard worker, there just wasn't much money left. And so um, drinking just wasn't done in our home. Uh, my father would take a drink. It wasn't, you know, just barred from the home, but it just wasn't done. It wasn't even a part of my teenage years. It wasn't an in thing to do, so we didn't do it in our little community. When I met my spouse, uh, I married him three months after I would met him. The one thing that really, really attracted me to him was the, the fact that he really did like to party and have fun. And I liked to have fun, too. And uh, drinking wasn't a problem at that time. Um, I look back on it now, and I think we came back from our honeymoon two days early so we could go to a party, but uh, it really didn't seem to be a problem at that time. Three years after we were married, we had a chance to buy into a beer wholesale business. And uh, I really wanted that business. I um, wanted it badly enough to volunteer to be secretary bookkeeper for it, and I was teaching school, so I knew I would be busy. But uh, one thing did bother me, and that was the fact that I had seen other uh, men in the community that had um, became alcoholics in this type of business, and it did bother me. So I talked to my spouse about that and made him promise not to go this route, and he promised. um, That was 23 years ago. Um, After we had been in the business about eight years, and I had taught school all this time, uh, we decided it was time to for me to quit and to uh, raise our family. And uh, we found out after I quit teaching that uh, we couldn't have our own children. So, since both of us wanted children very much, why we decided to adopt them. Um, I put my we put our name in um, home in Omaha, and they found us a 21-day-old baby boy. And we were just really thrilled. Um, my spouse jumped that high off the floor when he heard that it was a boy, you know, first one being a boy. And uh, so we went to Omaha to pick him up. And uh, they let us go out to the home and see this little ba- baby, and then they sent us back to the motel to make sure that's what we wanted. Um we went back, and, of course, it was a real good time for a party. So we went out, and, and he and uh, a district manager got together, and and they really did celebrate. And on the way back to the motel, well, we got stuck in a snowdrift. And these two very inebriated gentlemen decided they'd get out of the car and get us unstuck, you know. And they, it, I look back on it now, and it was really comical, but at the time I was very much frustrated. You know, after all, if he were picked up or something while he was drunk, we wouldn't get that baby, and I was really kind of concerned. Well, a policeman did happen to come along, and he sat over there and watched us for a little while, and then he came over and offered to help the fellas out, got him out of the snowdrift, and this was probably the first time that, that my spouse probably should have been a, um, arrested for being drunk, but he convinced that policeman he was going to be okay and he sent him on his merry way and it's been merry since then. We took our son home and family life began. I was, oh, a very responsible mother. I was going to do everything just right and um, my spouse was a very responsible businessman. He was delivering in the daytime and advertising his product at night. And um, two years later why we had a little girl come into our life and she was 14 days old and they asked us if um, we would like to come down and pick her up. Well, of course we did and I remembered the party from the time before and I had asked my spouse, please, you know, let's not go through that again and uh, it, it was a real nice trip. We went down and picked her up and took our little boy along and it was really a beautiful time. When we got back, I started planning everything around my children. Before that time, I had planned around my spouse. Everything was planned around him. But um, the children became the center of my life. They, um, I felt that I had to be both mother and father because my spouse was out advertising all the time. And um, so I spent a lot of time with school functions and church functions and kid functions, and I was going to be the best mother that there was because I felt I'd failed as a wife. You know, any wife that was doing her job would certainly have a husband that was coming home and so I really felt I'd failed there. I had changed from that fun-loving person to an over-responsible short-tempered nagging wife. I can remember one night when my spouse was supposed to have delivered a keg for a J.C. picnic and um, he the keg was supposed to be there like at six o'clock and this was 7.15 and still no keg and still no spouse and and uh, we couldn't find him anywhere. And the J.C.s, of course, are very impatient when it comes to waiting for their beer. So they were in there trying to find him and trying to find that cake. Well, they looked and looked and looked. And I waited at home by the telephone in case someone uh, could find him and would call in. Well, they finally found him. He and a bunch of delivery men, the milkman, the bread man, the, you know, whatever. <laughs> had decided they were going to celebrate the end of of their delivery day, which is noon on Saturday. And uh, so uh, these JCs brought my spouse home. And he hit that back door, and I really lit into him, told him he would never, ever come home like that again, not ever. And I doubled up my fist, and um, went we had gone downstairs, and I was going to hit him, I'm sure, but I turned around and hit the laundry room door. And I left a hole in that door. And do you know that hole was still there when we moved from that house? My spouse felt that I needed a reminder of how crazy I was. (laughs) Well, I took my sore fist and my spouse and the keg, and we went out to that picnic. Uh, I spent a lot of evenings checking on him. I wanted to make sure he was back in town, make sure he was keeping the proper company. Uh, I'd take the kids and bed them down in the back seat of the car, and I'm sure many of these wives did that. Um, go down and sit by the bar, about two blocks away from the bar, waiting for him to come out. And then I would follow him to the restaurant, and I wanted to be sure who he was with. And um, then while he was in the restaurant drinking his cup of coffee, I would run home and put the kids to bed, and then when he came home, I would quiz him just a bit, just to see if he was going to tell me the truth. Well, one particular night we... (laughs) I bet she did that. <laughs> One particular night, my children were pretty well taken care of, and I, we were supposed to have gone to the fair, and uh, my spouse didn't show up. So I went to find him. We, The family and I had gone on to the fair, and I had come home. And I went to see if I could find him. And he was at a local bar, and they had go-go dancers at this particular bar. So... <laughs> So I decided, okay, I'm going to embarrass him. We'll just put an end to this drinking. Uh, I, you know, what could be more embarrassing than a wife coming in where there's a go-go dancer? Well, I parked in the alley so that no one would see me and went in the back door, and um, the bartender uh, knew who I was, and I think he thought trouble was coming because he, he didn't say a word. He just pointed to my spouse and... I walked up and, and of course, I was treated with royalty. I had a drink in front of me and another one on the road. And You know, just they just really went overboard. Well, I sat down and watched that little go-go dancer for a little while, and I was totally embarrassed. I made an excuse about those kids, I got up, and I left. That's when I decided I really did need help, that I was sick. I went up to Panhandle Mental Health Clinic, and I was just begging for my sanity. And um, they let me come out about four times, Then they told me, I'm sorry, we can't help you. So on the way home from there, I had stopped to see a friend of mine, and I told her all about what had happened. And she sent me to see Doreen, one of the ladies in Al-Anon. And Doreen told me that she thought I needed to attend Al-Anon. So I went with Doreen the next week. I attended Allen on about nine months. I didn't tell my family where I was going. It was easy for me to get out of the house because my spouse bowled on that particular night and he would leave before I did and I would always be home before he came home. And uh, that went on about nine months. And then my spouse had a heart attack. He had to quit working and naturally had to quit um, advertising. So we... Uh, I quit Al-Anon. I uh, didn't feel I would need it anymore. Well, when my spouse was um, dismissed from the hospital, they told him that he shouldn't go back to work for three months. In about three hours, we were out at the warehouse just checking things out. And in two weeks, he was back to work full-time and advertising again. I went back to Allenon. This time I went back for myself, and this time I went back and uh, I told him I was going. I had a chance to attend family treatment at Hazelton when my son went through treatment just a year ago. Um, God has his way of working these things out. The family treatment was super for me. And uh, since it was super for my son to go through, um, he has um, done pretty well, I think, and um, is pretty much on his own now. So uh, God has taken care of that. I had no choice whether to let go of my son or not. He made that choice. Now I work on the steps, and I work on them for me. I know that I have to repeat those steps, but every time I do, I'm learning something. And uh, I'm gaining a lot of strength. Even though my spouse is still advertising his product, I'm trying to live my life for me and my two children who are 18 and 16. And thanks to my higher power and to al I've been able to pretty much do that. Today, I uh, don't know if my higher power was really working or not, but he's got me into a lot of trouble. <laughs> so we'll see how it turns out. At one of the meetings, one of the girls shared this with surrounded, it, dusted it off. And although I know I've made myself the carpet that that elephant sits on,